Anybody love God's Word? God's Word really does change everything. And this morning, we're going to begin a brand new series uh, entitled Family Matters. And we're going to be talking over the next three weeks about the significance of the family. Uh, because your family matters. Now, as I start talking about family, some of you already kind of begin to disqualify yourself. Maybe you think, well, I'm single or I'm, I'm this or I'm that. I want you to understand, no matter who you are, you are a part of a family. Uh, you have a natural family, and also as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual family. And we're going to talk about how God uses the family and really the significance of the family. And I really felt like the Lord said two things to me about this series. He said, Keith, he said, this is going to be a sobering series uh, because I think it's going to be sobering in the sense that it's going to bring us uh, to a place where we kind of are confronted with the reality and the significance of each and every one of our lives, that every person really does matter, that your life makes a difference and that you are significant to what's going on, not just in your family, but as we're going to see today also in our society because the health of the family really does determine the condition and the well-being of our society. And so it's going to be sobering in that we're going to be confronted, I think, with some real reality. It's also going to be empowering because I think when you begin to recognize that you are significant, then you begin to understand that you have power. I think one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy uses in our culture today uh, is that many people, we kind of disqualify ourselves from thinking that I can make a difference. You know, I'm just, I'm just a mom, or I'm just a single dad, or I'm just this, or I'm just that. And many times we disqualify ourselves from being able to recognize that we have the power to change not only a family, but a culture and a community so that society can be transformed because we're willing to embrace our role in what God is calling us to do. So I hope that today you walk out of here kind of sobered up, but at the very same time, I hope you walk out of here feeling very empowered to know that your life can and will and does make a difference. Amen. So let's look in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to kind of look at the origin or the birth of the family. The Bible says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Look at that first point, if you're a note taker today on our outline. The foundation stone of all society is the family. Before there was a community, a school, or a government, God created the family. I want you to think about that for just a second. The foundation stone of all society is the family. It is that family unit. You might say, well, Pastor Keith, man, I grew up in an abusive family. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. I grew up in this crazy family. I want you to understand the realization is simply this. No matter good, bad, or ugly, what kind of family you grew up in, that family is significant to society. And it is through that family that our lives are shaped and molded. And we're going to see how God wants to intervene. Because many of us <coughs> Excuse me, coming in here today, let me get a sip of water. <coughs> Excuse me. Many of us coming in here today understand that <coughs> we're coming maybe out of what we would consider to be a very unhealthy or dysfunctional family. I gotta wind my big mouth back up. Here we go. 
<coughs> Excuse me. And what we're going to see is that God intended the family to be the foundation stone. And so when you think about that before there was a community, a school, or a government, there was a family. And now we live in a world, right, where we have communities, schools, we have, we have economies, and we have governments, and all of those have been birthed by the family. As a matter of fact, everything that you see, every school, every community, every government, every economy is the manifestation of the condition of the families that make up that society. And if you want to see a healthy society, then you've got to have a healthy family. And it shouldn't surprise us that because of that realization that as goes the family, so goes the society. Let's just be honest. We have a society that is in danger because we have a family that has been compromised. We have a society that is struggling to define identity, to define value, to define worth, to understand what... <coughs> Excuse me, even who they are as an individual. And what we recognize in that is we recognize that there is a demonic attack against the family. There is a real attack. Can anybody agree that there's a real attack against the family? And Satan understands that. Satan understands that the condition of the family reflects into the condition of society. And if you want to change society, then you affect the family. And if you can redefine family, and if you can disrupt family, and if you can create a devalued family, then all of a sudden you can affect the culture and the society in which that family then matures and grows and becomes. Because everything that you see in society is a reflection of family. You remove the family, there is no government, there is no community, there is no school, there is no education, there is no economy. When you take the family out of the loop, you shut down society because it is the foundation stone of our world. And so what we're going to see as we kind of work through this over the next few weeks is the significance of that family and that what God is desiring to do through our families. Look with me in Galatians chapter 6. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. Ephesians 1.5 says, but God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Ephesians 2.19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer slaves and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Can I get an amen from somebody today? <clears throat> Look at that next point. As believers in Jesus Christ, not only do we have a natural family, but we also have a spiritual family. We call it our forever family. I'm glad that I'm a part of a forever family. I'm glad that I've got a natural family that's not perfect, but I've also got a spiritual family. Let me give you a clue that's also not perfect. And that through that family environment, God is cultivating and creating some amazing things in our world. So praise God. We have a natural family and we have spiritual families. Look at that next point. There is no such thing as a perfect family. Natural or spiritual. There's no such thing as a perfect family, natural or spiritual. So you guys have heard me say this before. If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. <clears throat> because the reality is, is none of us are perfect, right? The church is made up of imperfect people serving a perfect God. There's no such thing as a perfect church. And if you're waiting until you find a perfect church to get involved in the church, you'll never get involved. And that's the scheme of the enemy. 
But how many of you know there's also no such thing as a perfect family? In the natural realm, there is no such thing as a perfect family. Now, let me just tell you something. Unfortunately, because of social media today, we have created these ideas and images that we have perfect families, right? You see the perfect vacation and the perfect dinner and the perfect meal and the perfect kids, and it's all a lie. Right? There was 25 pictures they had to take before they could get that perfect picture that they wanted to show on Facebook because in the other 24, the kids are killing each other. That's the realization that there's no such thing as a perfect family. We're all messed up. We're all screwed up. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the realization is that if you come to that, some amazing things begin to happen. Number one, it kind of lets you off the hook a little bit. Because if you have this perfect family mentality, then you're going to live in this unrealistic world where you're going to put pressure on yourself and on your kids to be something you can never be. Let me give you some real good encouragement this morning. There's really only been one perfect family on planet Earth forever. And that was in the very genesis of time, right? Adam and Eve were perfect people without sin. They lived in a perfect world, and they had a perfect father, and they still screwed it up. Think about that. God's kids had a perfect father, were perfect themselves, and they lived in a perfect world, and they still managed to sin and rebel against God. They still managed to screw the entire world up for everybody else, even though they were in a perfect world. So that should encourage you. If God's kids messed up with a perfect father in a perfect world, then it should not surprise us when our families have challenges. When our families have conflict, when our families go through hardships and there's difficulty and there's setbacks and there's all kinds of things that come our way, it shouldn't surprise us that there is these challenges in our family. If a perfect God in a perfect world couldn't keep his perfect kids from coming short of the glory of God, then what hope do we have? Come on, somebody. That ought to encourage you, not that we should give up on the family because we shouldn't, but that we should understand that we're not looking for a perfect family in a perfect world. But I want you to see this. Look at the last part of that statement. There's no such thing as a perfect family, but God has perfectly designed the family. God has perfectly designed the family to be the foundation stone of society. God is created in this family environment. And again, I don't know what your family looks like. I don't know what your family unit looks like right now. And we've got blended families, and we've got grandparents raising kids, and we've got adoption and foster care, and there's all kind of things that make up the family unit today in which we live. And I don't know what your family looks like. Maybe you're single, living out on your own, and you say, well, Pastor Keith, I don't have a family. Yes, you do. You didn't get here by yourself. Can I get an amen from somebody? We are all a part of a natural family. And God perfectly designed the family to be the foundation stone. And we're going to see over the next three weeks, we're going to see three things. We're going to see how the family helps to define our identity. We're going to see how the family defines the values that make up the heart and core of our life. And we're going to see how that family cultivates the vision for the future and the hope that God has for us. Because family matters. Can I get an amen? Family matters. Look at that next point. Our spiritual family, this is huge. Our spiritual family is not a substitute for our natural family. Our spiritual family is not a substitute for our natural family, but it is a supplement to our family. It's not a substitute, it's a supplement. I don't know if any of you take vitamins and drink that nasty stuff, and you're like, why in the world am I even drinking this? You know what I'm talking about? Why in the world do you do that? Why do you take those supplements? Why do you take those vitamins? Why do you take those minerals? Why do you drink that stuff that tastes and smells so horrible? Let me tell you why. Because you recognize something. You recognize that your natural diet 
isn't giving you everything that you physically need to be healthy. So you supplement the natural with something external so that you can fully grow and become who you were created to be. That's the purpose of the church. The body of Christ, listen to the rest of this statement, the body of Christ, our spiritual family, fills in the gaps, meets the needs, and provides the spiritual resources that may not be available in every family. You might say, well, Pastor Keith, I don't have gaps. Well, that's your gap. Come on, somebody. We all have gaps, right? There's gaps in our family. Kelly and I, our kids grew up in a godly home. They grew up in a Christian home. Let me just be honest with you. What you see on Sunday is what my kids saw on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. This is who we are. But guess what? It was a godly home. It was a Christian home, but it wasn't a perfect home. Why? Because I got gaps. There's gaps in my life. There's things that I just have not yet obtained yet. How many know Jesus is still working on me? Can I get an amen from somebody? He's still working on me. And there are gaps in my family. There's gaps in my life. There's gaps in Kelly's life. And the realization is our kids have grown to become who they are today. And we're so proud of them because we partnered with the local church to fill in the gaps, to meet the needs to add some resources. I look at Samantha over there, and I look at John Wesley, and I look at our little grandbaby Jude, and I think, oh, how cute. That's what I think. <laughs> but I think, I think, I look at them, and specifically at Samantha, and I recognize that she is who she is today because so many people in this church invested in her. Oh, we tried to do our part, but we recognize there's gaps. There's gaps in every godly family. There's gaps in every Christian family. There's gaps in your life. We're going to see some sobering truth in just a minute about that. And so the realization is the family is key. That spiritual family along with the natural family. Not a substitute but a supplement. Let me tell you something. If you have kids and you don't have them in church, shame on you. If you have kids and you're not raising them in church, you are robbing your children of the gaps that are in your life. And if you can honestly look at your family and say, we're a perfect family, well, then I need to pray for you because you need help. But if you're like me and you look at your family, you say, hey, maybe we're doing pretty good and we really got some good things going over here, but you know, we're kind of missing it here. You know what I know about loving parents? They want to give their kids everything they need to succeed. So let me just do a real quick commercial right here. August 21st, our merge conference, you saw it. The heartbeat behind that entire merge conference is we want to supplement you. We want to partner with moms and dads. We want to partner with couples. We want to partner with singles. And we want to come alongside you through that merge conference. And we want to resource you with some spiritual truths and resources that maybe you do not have. Or maybe you have a gap in your life that needs to be filled with something that the church can give you. Because in diversity there is a unity and there is a resource that we can never have in our own individuality. My individual family unit is amazing. But it's not all that it needs to be. But when I connect my natural family to our spiritual family, I get to draw from the well of hundreds and hundreds of people. How beautiful is that? So if you've not signed up for the Merge Conference, don't hurt my feelings. If you just go ahead and get your phone out right now, go to the Liberty Church app, click on that Merge button, sign up, and get connected. We want you to be there. Why? Because we want to supplement your family. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a couple, whether you're a single, we want to partner with you and we want to help you fill in those gaps, provide some spiritual resources so that you and your entire family, whatever that looks like,
can grow and become what God intends it to be. Amen? All right. Look at that next point. So it's in our families that we discover our identity. The most influential voice in the life of a child is its family. Not just its parents, but its parents, its grandparents, its siblings, its cousins, its aunts, its uncles. The entire family, the most influential voice in the life of a child is its family. And it's in our families that we discover our identity. I wrote this down. I didn't want to mess it up. Think about this for just a second. A child discovers, listen to this, a child discovers whether they are loved, valued, intelligent, beautiful, and worthy before they ever go to kindergarten. Before they ever go to kindergarten, they know are they loved, they know are they important, they know are they valued, they know are they beautiful, they know are they worthy. Before they ever walk into that first kindergarten class, before they ever have their first teacher, before they ever get surrounded by their first peers, they already know who they are because of their family. Our families shape our identity and the most influential voice in the life of your children not just children the life of your family because let me just tell you something sobering every voice in the family has impact husband your wife has your husband your words shape the image of your wife wives your words shape the image of your husband Parents, your words shape the image of your children. Children, you don't realize this, but your words shape the image of your parents. I can't tell you how many times Kelly and I have sat down with parents who were struggling over the words that their teenagers said to them. You don't love me. You're a horrible parent. You've never been there for me. You've abandoned me. And I've seen adults struggle over their self-worth and their value because of the words of their child that was spoken to them. Every voice in the family has value. And family matters because Proverbs tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And every voice in the family has the power to shape and form the identity of every other member of that family. Look at that next point. As a family, our words shape our identity. Your families, listen to this, your family's self-image. Your family's self-image. Not just your kids, but husbands, wives, the entire family. The family's self-image is shaped by the repetition of your words, whose words, your words, every voice in the family is shaping the identity and defining the self-worth of that family. It is the repetitive words. What we many times think is funny is very damaging because words have power. Let's just be honest today. We have all in our families, we have all said things we wish we hadn't have said. We've all done things we wouldn't ha wish we hadn't have done. In the heat of the moment, in anger, we've said things to the people that we love more than anybody else on the planet that we wish we could have taken back just as quick as it ran out of our mouth. 
But I'm not talking about those words. Because those words hopefully are, are sporadic. Those words are the exception to the rule. Those are the heated moments, the, the crazy moments, the, the, the overwhelmed moments when you might say or do something that you regret doing. I'm not talking about those words. Let me, t- let me say this to you. It's the repetitive words. It's the words that you say over and over and over and over again in the family that shape the identity of that family, that define the self-worth of your family. And again, I'm not talking just parent and kids. I'm talking everybody. Whatever your family looks like, every voice in your family has power to shape your identity and your self-image and your worth. Early on in the ministry, I was just 20 years old. I met another young man who was early in his 20s. And he struggled with his sexuality. And he struggled with his sexuality not because he thought he was gay. He struggled with his sexuality because his entire life, he had three other brothers that were very athletic, and he wasn't. They were very tough, and he wasn't. And his entire life growing up, they said, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're a sissy, you're a wimp, and you're gay, and you're a sissy, and you're a wimp, and you're gay, and you're a sissy, and you're a wimp, and you're gay. And as a 20-something-year-old man, he had a genuine, real battle in his own mind over who was he. And it wasn't because he was gay. It was because he had been told he was gay his entire life. And what his brothers thought were funny words or joking words or were just kidding words or were just playing with you words were very self-destructive, damaging words that shaped the identity and value of his mind and his life. Words like you're stupid, you're ugly, you'll never amount to anything, nobody will ever love you. We can overcome occasional words, but it's the repetitive words from the voice of your family that actually shapes the identity. Let me tell you what I know about every five-year-old going into kindergarten. They walk into that kindergarten classroom with an identity that has been shaped by their family. And they either walk into that five-year-old classroom feeling confident and bold that they can do this, or they walk in there hoping nobody even sees them or looks at them or pays attention to them because I'm not really that important and I just don't matter. And all of that comes from the family. The sobriety of this message, guys, is that it drives home the realization of what is happening every day. And when you look at a society, all you see in society is a reflection of family. When a boy doesn't know he's a boy and a girl doesn't know he's a girl, and a, and a young man or a young woman doesn't know if he's straight or if he's gay or if he's a lesbian, 99% of what they are thinking and conceiving as their identity is rooted in the environment of their family. Good, bad, or ugly, they have been shaped by the words, attitudes, and actions of those that they have grown up with. I really felt like the Lord said today that there were many who were going to be watching in this room and online 
that today you need to draw a line in the sand. You need to break the cycle that's been on in your family. The Bible calls it a generational curse. And you need to break the cycle of those words and those images and those ideas. You need to break the cycle. Think about it. it it's crazy how that when you were a child, when someone said something to you, it hurts you. And now as an adult, you're saying the same thing to other people. The words that hurt you have now become weapons in your mouth that are inflicting image on other people. And we don't even realize it many times. That we're saying the very thing that was said to us that hurt us. And all the while we wish they wouldn't say that. I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish they wouldn't treat me that way. And then we find ourselves 5, 10, 15 years later treating and speaking and acting the very same. To the people in our family, whether it's our spouse or our children or our sibling. And I felt like the Lord said, today we need to break the cycle. We need to break those cycles of death and draw a line in the sand today that through the blood of Jesus and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to change the words that I speak and create an image that glorifies God. Amen. Two scriptures I want you to hear right here. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 almost says the same thing. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Don't provoke your children to wrath. How many know there's that constant prodding, that constant prodding, that constant prodding? We like to poke the bear. And in the family, we know how to poke it. We know just what words to say, just to get them riled up, just to get them mad. And then we walk away and laugh. Yeah, I just wanted to see if I could get you riled up. You know what the Bible calls that? Sin. Do not provoke your children to wrath. I'm not saying we can't cut up. I'm not saying we can't have fun. I'm not saying we can't play jokes and do all that stuff that we do. As families, we can do all that. But you know and I know there's a line that cannot be crossed because the moment you cross that line, it goes from fun and games to wounds and pain. And we have way too many ideas, identities that have been birthed out of the wounds of the family instead of out of the vision of God for their life. And so we have to recognize that and we have to be willing to say, I'm going to be the person that breaks that chain. I'm going to be the person that does not provoke my children. And then he says, Colossians 3, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. I, I love that phrase because it, the word discouraged means to remove courage. When I encourage you, I infuse courage. When I discourage you, I remove courage. Courage. You know that we live in a world right now, the number one prescribed medicine in America is antidepressants. How is it that the most blessed, prosperous nation on the planet can be depressed? Let me tell you why. Because as goes society, that is the reflection of the family. We have discouraged one another. We have removed courage. We have provoked and we have prodded and we have joked and we have kidded and we have crossed the line with our words. To such a degree that we have a society that lacks the courage to face the everyday challenges of life. And I'm stressed out and I'm overwhelmed and I'm having panic attacks by just getting up and doing the thing I should be doing. And it just overwhelms me because I have been discouraged. And something has been sucked out of my soul because of the words that have been spoken 
in my family. The sobriety of what God says in his word. Look at that next point. Our identity. Our identity, how we see ourselves is the well from which we draw our self-worth. Let me just say, the greatest thoughts you can ever think is your thoughts that you think about God. But next to the thoughts that you think about God, what you believe about yourself is the second most important thing. What you believe about God trumps everything, but what you believe about yourself shapes your life more than anything you can imagine. Because our identity becomes the well that we begin to draw our self-worth and our value out of. As a parent, you are the chief sculptor in your child's life. You are sculpting confidence and boldness or insecurities and fear. But let me just say, it's not just the parents, it's everybody. If you're the parent, yes, you've got the biggest hammer and the biggest chisel. And you get to shape the identity of your child. But every person in the family has a hammer and a chisel. Every person in the family has the capacity with their words and actions to chisel away and literally define the image of that person, either adding life or death, adding confidence or insecurity. We are either, we are either sculpting a confident, bold generation or we're infusing insecurity and fear into the hearts of another generation. And it matters. Because as goes the family, so goes society. If you want to change the education, if you want to change the government, if you want to change the economy, if you want to change a community and a culture, you got to begin at the home. The family is the foundation stone of all society. Genesis chapter 5, listen to this scripture. It says, this is the book of the genealogies of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And he created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them mankind in the day they were created. And verse 3 says, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. We reproduce what we are, not what we want. Adam was created in the image of God, but sin marred that image. And Seth was created in the image of Adam. From Adam to Seth, there was a disconnect in the image and idea of who a person should be. Adam reproduced into Seth a fallen image, a fallen nature that had been marred by sin. And the truth is, all of us, even in Christ are still becoming what God has called us to be. We reproduce who we are, not what we want. You know what I know about parents, most parents that I've met, doesn't matter if they're Christian or not Christian, most parents really want the best for their kids. Most parents want their kids to do better than they did. They want them to have more than they had. They want them to experience life in a better way than they experienced life. That, that is the average heartbeat of every parent on planet Earth. But here's the problem with that. We reproduce what we are, not what we want. We reproduce what we are. Adam did not reproduce the image of God. Adam reproduced the image of Adam into Seth, which was a marred image disconnected from the true identity that God intended him and us to have. 
Look at the last part of that statement. This is why you need a spiritual family. Because we all know that we were created for more. Praise God for our natural family. You wouldn't be here without it. And the truth is, no matter how difficult or challenging or abusive your natural family was, you know what you can probably do? Every one of us in this room, if you look through the right eyes, you can probably look at your family and you can say there probably were in the midst of all the chaos and the pain, there were still some positive things that come out of it. Maybe you grew up in hell, but you learned how to be strong. And you can walk away from that natural family and know that I am who I am today because even in the midst of the chaos and the pain, I learned how to be strong. I learned how to persevere. I learned how to never give up. I learned how to keep on going when nobody else was doing the right thing. But here's what I need you to understand. We reproduce what we are, not what we want. We need a spiritual family. I need the divine deposits of Christ within each of you because as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And the only way, the only way that I can create a family naturally that reflects the image in the heart of God is that I've got to be connected spiritually to the body of Christ. Because it is in the community of the bigger family that we become the person God created us to be. Look at that next point. It's our spiritual family that reconnects us to our original identity. Because your true identity is found in Jesus Christ. Let me get a bigger amen on that one. Come on, somebody. Your true identity is found in Jesus Christ. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Your real life, your true life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an adulterer worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. And you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature with all its wicked deeds. Look at verse 10. And put on your new nature. Listen to what he says. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. And become like Him. And look at verse 11. He says, and in this life, in this new life, this new life that we have in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you're barbaric, which would mean uneducated or civilized. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or if you're free. Listen to what he says. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. What does that mean? It means your natural family doesn't have to define you. Because God has already created you to be in his image. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Verse 12, since God chose you 
to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ, I love this verse. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Man, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ is so rich. You ever ate a piece of cake or a piece of candy that was so rich, you're like, it almost took your breath away, and you thought, man, that's so good, but i got to eat it slow. The richness of Christ. Let it fill your lives. Listen to what he said. Let it fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing hymns and psalms, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do or whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks through him to God the Father. And whatever you do, do it as a representative. Why? Because your true identity, your real identity is in Christ. I am so thankful for what I have received from my natural family. But I'm also recognized that I don't want to settle for the natural when there's a spiritual identity in Christ. There's no substitute for your natural family. And you need to thank God right now that you're here today. Good, bad, or ugly, praise God you're here. I'm so glad you're here. But don't settle for an identity defined by a natural family. You need a spiritual family because it's through Christ that we are redeemed and reconciled to our true identity. And I can be who God made me to be because I can be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ as I continue to renew my mind and become more and more like the one who created me. I want you to bow your heads today. Two things I want to challenge us with. The first one is simply this. Maybe you're here today and you recognize there are some there's a cycle that needs to be broken. There's a curse that needs to end. There are some words that need to be eradicated and removed from your vocabulary. And maybe you recognize that today. The sobriety of this message is that we saw how powerful our words really were in shaping the identity of our family. And if you're here this morning and you recognize today, Pastor Keith, there are some things in me that need to be broken. I want to break the cycle. I want to be the person that draws a line in the sand today and says, enough is enough. It's not going to go another generation. I'm going to begin today to reshape the identity of our family. We're going to dig a new well today. And we're going to begin to fill it with the truth and the love and the grace of Jesus. If that's you today, and you say, Pastor Keith, today I, I want to I break that cycle in my life. I want to begin to implement some new things in my family. I want you just to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hands are going up all over the building. I want to break the cycle. You can put your hand down. I want to just pray right now. I want to just pray over you. 
And I want you just to agree with me. You could pray your own prayer, but I just want to pray over you today. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. And God, today in the name of Jesus, you saw every hand. You saw every heart, God. God, we renounce and break all agreement with the curse and the lies of the enemy. Lord, those things in us that have been marred by sin, that have been passed on into our family, Lord, we declare today enough is enough. Today is the day. And we break it in Jesus' name. We confess it as sin. We ask you to, to bridle our tongue. Lord, we pray today that you would cleanse our words, our thoughts, and our actions. That we would be vessels of life. That our words and actions would shape and create identity that brings glory to you. So Lord, today we receive your forgiveness and we receive your power. Father, we declare today that we are new creations. We thank you that a new work has been done in our hearts and our lives today. And Lord, that we are not who we used to be. And we're going to become who you're calling us to be. So we thank you for that victory and freedom today. The second thing I want to do is maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith? I don't have a spiritual family because I've never been born again. I've never been adopted into God's family. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, but today's my day. I want to be a part of God's family, and I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed, but God is speaking to you today. If you're watching online, you can hit that hand emoji or just type in that comment box, I'm raising my hand. But if that's you here this morning, today I want to be a part of God's family. I've never been saved. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. This is your moment. We're going to pray this prayer together with those that are here and those that are watching online. I want to ask everybody in the room just to say it with me out loud. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Well, God bless you today. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning online, we want to welcome you to the family, and uh, we'd love to follow up with you and help you. And uh, we're so glad that you're here today. I want to encourage you, sign up for the Merge Conference. If you haven't been a part of our Grow and Encounter Weekend, we'd love for you to stop by the information and get signed up today. Uh, we love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen. You're dismissed.